We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, the Suns are now 43 and 10, so let's trade all their players away. How does that sound? <laughs> you know exactly what makes our audience tick, my friend. That is precisely <laughs> what we're going to do today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we're going to we're going to obviously preview the trade deadline here and talk about some of the most interesting and Maybe most likely trades that the Suns can make, trying to be as realistic as possible uh, towards the end of this podcast. But we are now recording this immediately after the Suns defeated the Chicago Bulls on another Eastern Conference road trip. Devin Booker had 38 points, was spectacular throughout the game against a very good team in Chicago. It was a fun game, Sam. What do you think? Well, if you haven't gotten the chance to watch this game yet, because we're releasing so soon after it, uh, a very misleading score here as the Phoenix Suns <laughs> yeah. won this game by three points. And you might think, oh, wow, the Bulls outscored them by 16 in the fourth quarter and made it a close game. But this game kind of felt out of reach until the last one minute when the Suns put in all of yeah. their third string and immediately blew like a 10-point t- a lead. It was pretty miraculous. <laughs> so a- able to escape it. Another good win for Phoenix. All of the relevant uh, key guys played well. Booker, uh, one thing we're waiting on, I will say at this point, is it looks like he banged up his knee. Um, He was taken out of the game at one point, iced it, came back in in the fourth quarter, seemed to be moving all right, maybe with a slight limp, though, so it's definitely something I'm going to be curious to see the reporters give us some more information on. Um, All of the other key guys, I mean, Chris Paul, 19-11, four turnovers, but a good game overall. Uh, Aiton fouled out actually in this one, the rare game for DeAndre where he fouled out in only 23 minutes. Um, but Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, dudes came to play and uh, just continue to roll through. And, and we're hoping for a good week here out on the East Coast. They've got Philly tomorrow, Milwaukee on Thursday. We're covering that game on playback as well. It's a tough week. It is a tough mm-hmm. week up ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I thought this was a really good game. Uh, to watch for the Suns, but it was another game where they pulled ahead by a lot, which they did in Washington. It's tough to get a lot of great analysis out of that. I mean, there was some interesting things that the Bulls did. Actually, now that I mentioned the game against Washington, you were there. I forgot about that. You were at that game. You went (laughs) to Washington. You said there was a lot of Suns fans in the crowd. How was that game? How was it to see them live? It was really fun. First of all, DC is a cool city. I hadn't been there in about 10 years, so it was fun to be there, um, even if only for the weekend. Capital One Arena is it's a nice arena, uh, but yeah, one thing I think we do know about DC, it's kind of a transplant city, right? And so that coupled with the fact that the Wizards have not had the greatest, certainly after their really really hot start to the season, it's been pretty rough. Uh, it, I would say it was pretty close to fifty fifty. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, it's Crazy. it's kind of it's I may be exaggerating a little bit, and granted, it's a little bit difficult to parse through as I was kind of just doing a quick glance at the rest of the audience because the sun's colors are like purple and orange 
and the wizard's colors are uh, red and, and blue, basically. So it's like adjacent enough that just a quick glance at the audience, sometimes it's hard to tell exactly who's wearing what jersey. However, I'm, I mean, I met a ton of Suns fans there. I went with a Wizards fan myself. He had given up on the game by the second quarter. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, Suns fans definitely showed out. And if you want to take that as an example of Phoenix transplanters in other cities who are just really proud to root for this team again, it's it's definitely possible that that's the case. Or if you want to take it as a sign of bandwagon effect, I wouldn't say we're exactly there yet where we're not rivaling the uh, the Golden State bandwagon, that's for sure. But there might be some people starting to take notice of this team in unique cities and just being really excited to show up and support them. Yes, Suns fans who were fans of, in the Steve Nash days just lying dormant in other cities waiting for a team it's that's a actually fun, that, fun to go watch. It's a ton of that. And it was, uh, you know, because I went to the their game against Brooklyn early in the season when they beat them as well. And Brooklyn is another franchise that's just not known for a great home crowd. It's not MSG. It was exactly the same thing there. Just tons of people who I, I assume many were from Phoenix, but I also assume many were like me, native New Yorkers who had just supported this team for however long and were excited to see them finally thriving again. That's really great. I'm glad you went to that game. It's nice to have a man in the arena <laughs> to do the proper. I'm sure you were just having drinks and enjoying yourself, which is Literally. what we should do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not reporters. If you're at the game, have fun. Uh, that's the most important thing to do there. Um, Devin Booker in this game, I know that there's a Philadelphia game, so we won't spend too much time on this game. Most of you are probably listening to this after the Philadelphia game, hopefully he had another great game and he's fully healthy. But in this game, 38-5-4, and 14-23 shooting, an amazing game for him. Chris Paul, 19-11, and 11, nothing surprising there, only 11 shots that he took. But I just want to quickly mention this guy because we don't have a lot of opportunities to give him some credit. Even though the Suns basically lost their entire lead when he checked in at the end of the game, this was a pretty good Alfred Payton game. And he's been doing some nice things lately. Not good. I wouldn't say he's good. But, like, he's done some nice things on the court lately, and we don't have a lot of opportunities to give him some credit on the podcast. So I just wanted to quickly mention that Alfred Payton's done a good job in the in the last few games um, recently. I will allow you to take that, <laughs> take ownership of that role. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not making any predictions for what he is, and it's clearly one of the things that we're going to talk about. We already recorded our, our, our trade deadline uh, preview before that game. We're going to talk about potentially upgrading that spot in a, right. and I mean, maybe taking yeah. away his minutes, but it's nice that he's not the, the for the extended stretch, which we still don't know how long this is going to be. I have a feeling it's going to extend through the all-star break, but the extended stretch without Cameron Payne, who makes a big difference on this team, allows Chris Paul to not get as many minutes for that extended stretch. You would think that games would be falling apart a lot more. And, and look, a lot of the point guard responsibilities fall into Devin Booker's lap here. But at least with Alfred Payton on the floor, they've been relatively okay, and it hasn't fallen apart the way that you would have expected it to. For sure. And, um, I mean, in this game, he shot four for six. Obviously, the the issues at the rim, they speak for speak for themselves. Uh, we've seen that with Alfred throughout his career. Tonight was a better example of it. More importantly, though, I think sometimes you do get five or six-minute stretches out of him where he really keys in defensively. In the fourth quarter of this particular game against Chicago, I think it was clear at a certain point, they did not want him <laughs> guarding DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, and so they brought guys like Mikhail Bridges back in the game pretty quickly. But I, I, he, he has some solid stretches, and he has frustrating stretches. Look, if you can yeah. get Alfred, he's always meant to be a third-string guy on this team. This is not the Alfred Payton of last year on the Knicks where the expectation was starting him for some reason. And, like, obviously that was uh, <laughs> an experiment down there in New York that was destined to fail. For Phoenix, you're just asking him pretty much to be a replacement player. And if he can be a replacement player, which I think he has been, that's fine. That's that's an acceptable standard to hold him to. So I will give him credit. He definitely played well tonight. This is the last podcast we're going to record before the trade deadline and before the Suns play the Bucks for the first time this season, which is Thursday on TNT. How crazy is it, by the way, that the same day that the Suns play the Bucks on national TV is the day of the trade deadline? Uh, any thoughts on that Bucks matchup before we get to that uh, our trade deadline preview? I'll be totally honest. I haven't really thought about it. I, there have been so many other key games 
recently. And, you know, even I was really excited for this Bulls game tonight. So to see them come out and, and go up instantly over 20 on them in the first half was really exciting. We'll see again how they do against Philly tomorrow. It's going to be tough with Joel playing like he is and them on the back-to-back. But I'm kind of of the mind at this point that Milwaukee, as cool as it is to have the high-profile national TV game where you get the finals rematch, they're just another team at this point. They are, truthfully, the team after Golden State that I think poses the biggest threat to Phoenix for the the, the ultimate goal, the championship. But they face challenges like Milwaukee at, at this point in the season, you know? They're kind of just another... Like, maybe you circle that one on the calendar. You you do the requisite film work and prep to, to get yourselves ready for that game. But they're just another team. They've played teams yeah. like that. This week, the Suns are playing Chicago, which they just won. Philadelphia which is a back-to-back, Milwaukee and Orlando, Eastern Conference games uh, across the board. In fact, if you look back, it's Brooklyn, Atlanta, Washington, Chicago, Philly, Milwaukee, Orlando. Lots of games against the Eastern Conference here, but this week alone, four games, two of them at home. What would you be happy with at the end of this week as far as a win-loss record here? Um, This is good teams. Three good teams in a row, Chicago, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Obviously, Orlando's terrible, but three good teams before that. So the record out of these... This week being those four games overall. Yeah. Well, okay, so they're already one and zero. I mean, look, man, I think you can go four and zero, but if you go three and one, I'll live with it. I mean, yeah, the that, expectations yeah. for this team are kind of just sky high at this point, right? But you really do believe in every game. If they've got a one point lead by the end of the third quarter, you feel you feel great. So the, the toughest one I think is Philadelphia at this point, and Bead's playing at an MVP level. Devin Booker possibly just banged his thigh, calf knee something in this game if he's not feeling 100% that could hurt the team but second night of a back-to-back I think that's the toughest part of it obviously Milwaukee's the best team of that group uh, but the Suns have time to prepare for that one so yeah I think three and one is the baseline here four and oh obviously they definitely could do Um, but yeah let's switch over to our trade deadline preview we recorded it before the Bulls game and I know you guys want to hear it. We talk a lot about what the Suns' options are. So we'll switch over to that right now after this break. Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Sam, first thing I want to do is say our opinions on what we think the Phoenix Suns and, and their goal is going to be for this trade deadline because obviously we've talked about specific needs and I just want to make sure we recap those needs here and move from there to maybe taking a look at the rumors or the market as it is so far. Uh, so first off, what do you think, if you're James Jones, <laughs> yeah. what would be your goal going into this trade deadline? Yeah, I, so I think I've outlined it in the past, but... I guess the overall point that I could say here to resume, uh, uh, to summarize, is uh, you look at the Suns roster right now, and currently, as of today, we're recording this on the evening of February 7th, just a few days before the trade deadline, and we still have no updates on the health status of players such as Abdul Nader, Frank Kaminsky, Dario Saric, who all used to play critical roles for the Phoenix Suns. You look at the rest of the bench, which leaves you relatively thin. You have Ish Wainwright, who signed to a two-way contract, who as of today would be ineligible to play in your playoff rotation. You have Elford Payton, who has largely been, in my opinion, disappointing. You have Landry Shamit, who has been, in my opinion, largely disappointing on the season. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Suns' top seven, top eight rotation is incredibly strong. 
Bismarck Biyombo was a fantastic midseason surprise that has allowed your center rotation to become even more deep, but you cannot go into the playoffs getting basically a big fat zero in terms of production out of all of your spots, 11 through 15, your entire third unit. Because should there be any injury to anyone in the playoffs as it currently stands with this roster, we know what the holes are. And we know that it would make a big difference potentially in a playoff series. So as I look at the Suns right now, I think we've talked about the specific needs in the past of uh, potentially a small ball five option and definitely for sure more self-creation off the bench, another guard to come in and score a little bit. So those continue to be the goals. But I don't think anything massive is needed here. Um, I think the Suns are in the driver's seat of the Western Conference and they don't need to uh, entirely reshuffle the board with something uh, rash. So we're looking yeah, at minor yeah. moves. We're looking at bench players. We've talked about all the names in the past. Maybe we can bring up some, even some new ones today. But we kind of understand what the general tier of player that we're talking about here is. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think one thing they got to do is set Jalen Smith free at this point. Get, get him to a team where he can play center and play more minutes. And we'll talk more about him in a second. So start there and just sort of free up bring more balance to the roster. There's too many guys who are best at center, not enough forwards and not enough shooting off the bench. I think is another thing. Thanks to really both Cameron Payne and Landry Shamit shooting below their career averages. Well, at least for Cameron Payne below his average here in Phoenix and Landry Shamit below his career average from three so far this season. So if you're looking at that, then you can say shooting balance to the roster off the bench. And I think when you talk about them being, relatively minor moves I think one way to look at that is to just essentially say the the starting lineup is safe they're not going to trade any of the starting lineup no reason to at this point Chris Paul Devin Booker Mikhail Bridges Jay Crowder DeAndre and they're safe are you a hundred percent sure I mean no I guess I, I, I am pretty sure I mean we'll I'm get also to that, I guess I'm also pretty sure <laughs> yeah I mean I they'd be safe if I were the GM ideas <laughs> we'll, we'll start have, there ideas have been raised let's just say that it's yeah it's uh, guess or grift season. That's the yeah. the theme of today's pod. Anyway, continue. But let's say those five are safe. Who off the bench is safe to you? Because I think we can both say that Cameron Johnson, uh, you know, being that he's essentially at times the third best scorer on this team, depending on who's healthy and who's not, I'd say that he's safe. We can count him as safe. Cameron Payne, do you do you say you guarantee Cameron Payne is safe at this point? I'm 95% confident that Cameron Payne is safe because if you Me had... Too. If you ha- absolutely had to match salaries in another manner, like say you just you absolutely couldn't get off Landry Shamit's contract because no one wants it, let's just say, and yeah. you need to trade in order to get some guy that you want. You need to trade another mid-sized deal, not a veteran minimum contract. Kaminsky won't cut it. Peyton won't cut it. Nader won't cut it. You need another mid-sized deal. I think the Suns would be sooner to trade JaVale McGee, who also makes around that 5 to $6 million range because they have Bismarck Biombo now. Um, before they trade someone like Cameron Payne. Even if you believe well, you that go, Payne yeah. has been a little bit disappointing this season, uh, they can't afford to lose his creation off the bench. So, yeah, yeah. I, 95% confident that campaign is safe ahead of the deadline. I, I agree with that, too. And I think t- for two reasons, we saw what he was in the playoffs, which was very good. He was very, very good in the playoffs. And he's he was getting better before the injuries. So I think there is more to Cameron Payne. As frustrated as some people have been with his play so far this season, I think his best play this season is probably still ahead of him. I think he's, he can still get better. And sometimes, you know, taking a little time sitting on the bench and watching these games can help bring focus to your game. So when Cameron Payne comes back, I think he'll be better. And I just think, I think truthfully, I think Monty Williams just really likes him. And Agreed. I think that's enough. Yeah. So you said JaVale McGee could be traded. So I agree with that. I think JaVale McGee, you know, as good as he's been, I would say that it's most likely he will not be traded. But I think there are certain kinds of moves, thanks to Bismack Biombo coming in and being relatively good. There are certain kinds of moves where if you absolutely need to trade JaVale McGee in order to get the player that you want, maybe JaVale McGee can be traded, but I think it's most likely he's safe. And I would say this too. Biombo probably too. Like I actually think maybe even uh, almost that would a little be bit more insane. safe. Yeah, yeah. I just I just don't think he has the salary <laughs> that ma- makes you know like that makes it matter f- to trade him. And I also think for Biombo, he specifically stayed out of the NBA because he because his father passed away, 
and he was dealing with that and he wanted to find a team where he felt comfortable. He signed a 10 day with the Suns specifically because he thought he could have a future with the Suns and then the Suns signed him for the rest of the season. If the Suns turned around and traded him, that's pretty messed up and I just don't think they're going to do that. So I think Biombo is probably pretty safe there as well. Everybody else, which at this point, Jalen Smith, Alfred Payton, Ish Wainwright, Frank Kaminsky, Abdul Nader, and that's it, basically. Sharich. Sharich. Yeah, Sharich is there, too. Uh, those those are the trade chips the Suns have, along with a future first-round pick, future second-round picks, and things like that, right? Yep. You nailed it. Okay. So that's basically what we got there. There's, uh, there's I would say, seven, eight guys that are fully safe on this team so far. So what are the needs? Now, you mentioned it. We'll just outline it one more time. The Suns have been rumored to be looking for shooting. So we'll say that there. Shooters. And then the second thing is the Suns played relatively well recently with Ish Wainwright at small ball center. You know, I don't know how much they like Ish Wainwright, but what it did prove is that they need a small ball center. They need one more uh, wing that can do that. They experimented with a lineup that included Cameron Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and Jay Crowder recently. So that shows some level of interest in playing a small ball five again. It is worth noting. The rebounding was not really there. It is worth (laughs) noting in that particular game, I loved the effort, but it was in, yeah, it did not work. (laughs) In that specific game, that was the Hawks game, correct? It needs more strength. Yeah. Yeah, it just needs more strength. I think that's what's missing with that lineup, you know. Uh, Cameron Johnson's not beefy enough, I think, to take those minutes. I think he works really well in a small ball five lineup, but more as a four, which is kind of where his position is so far this season. So I say those are the two things. Is there anything else? I mean, you can you can sort of throw it in with the shooting, uh, any sort of ball creation for offense, but any player that they get, I think, also needs to be a capable defender, right? Yes, you want defenders, similar to Shamit, actually. Something <clears throat> you have to give credit to Landry Shamit for all along this season is that he's never been a negative defensively, and you've never felt like in watching him in those three-guard lineups uh, where he plays small forward or, or really Booker plays small forward, uh, you've never felt like you're giving anything up to this point. Um, potentially, there are some specific teams, some specific matchups in the playoffs where those lineups would definitely not work. But at least in the regular season, it's always felt like a relatively neutral defensive uh kind of scenario to me and any guard that you get now you're really just looking for an offensive upgrade over Shamit defensively you're looking for a guy along the same lines maybe he's a little bit undersized in some scenarios but someone who's not going to be played off the floor uh who the defense or the offense excuse me will relish opportunities to target in matchups over and over again yeah yeah exactly it's just the way that Monty plays Chris Paul was recently, if you haven't listened to it, Chris Paul was recently on The Old Man and the Three. Terrific. He talked about, it's so good. Yeah, it was really so good. So good. I mean, it's so he, good. <laughs> he, ta- he compared the way the Suns prepare on defense to the way the old Clippers teams used to prepare on offense. He said the way Doc was with offense, that's how Monty is with defense. The Suns kind of need really smart defenders because Monty over-prepares them for matchups, it sounds like. So that's the type of thing that... We'll talk about guys in a second. Of course, everyone's waiting for names. But before we talk about <laughs> before we talk about the specific rumors, I want to just quickly touch on the two trades that have been made so far because oftentimes the first trade, the first few trades, set the market. They help us to understand what it's going to cost to get specific guys or they even free up like a team specifically the Cleveland Cavaliers that are looking for another offensive player. They could have been in the market for Eric Gordon. Well, now they traded for Karis LeVert. So that gives us an idea of who's available and what kind of resources could be available for players like Eric Gordon. But first we'll say the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second round draft pick. And that went to Portland. So a very bizarre trade where Norman Powell and Robert Covington, two players that could play on a playoff rotation right now, were traded for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second round draft pick. A, a trade that, even as I say it, does not really make sense to me. Uh, do you have any quick thoughts on that trade specifically? Yeah, well, I think the salary cap experts have made it pretty clear what the point of this trade was for Portland. They were at risk of the repeater tax being in the luxury tax three years in a row, and they uh, want to get out of the luxury tax because they understand that they're not really competing. How that impacts the mindset of a guy like Dame Lillard, who's still there, I don't know. I would imagine poorly. 
But clearly this was not really a trade in good faith for Portland to compete. I don't really think there's any argument that you didn't lose a lot of talent in that trade. And so for for the Clippers, it's kind of interesting, man, because on the one hand, Norm Powell and Robert Covington, they're role players. They're not, you know, they're nothing more than role players. They're good role players, but at the end of the day, that's all they are. Coming from a Suns perspective now, though, I think this is kind of interesting because we're at a point, Minnesota, as you know, I love the the Timberwolves, and they're low-key killing it recently. They have kind of solidly put themselves into that uh, seventh seed for the time being. It's looking more and more like there's basically a 95% chance that the Suns will be playing one of the LA teams in the first round. When you look at a trade like this, if there's any possibility, and I'll throw it back to you in a sec to, to gauge how you feel on it, but if there's any possibility that Paul George or Kawhi Leonard return for the playoffs i kind of feel like this is a trade that's solidifying that the lakers are the team that i want in the first round <laughs> and i don't know yeah. if, is that totally insane to say because no, I, no no i understand that the lakers at full strength have the three stars i mean kind of two and a half stars whatever but first of all the lakers don't really have trade chips either so you know the lakers are not really going to be capable of stocking up at the trade deadline i'm sure they're yeah they understand that there are tweaks that they will have to make but ultimately, their treasure trove of of assets, they, I mean, they have Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn, and that's about it. They can't really trade anyone else. Don't have picks uh, either, or at least not a, not a lot of them. So it's going to be tough for L.A. to stock up on talent. They kind of are who they are at this point. By L.A., mm-hmm. I mean the Lakers. Sorry, I realize yeah. I have to specify. The Clippers have so many role players now. So it's many good role well balanced. They ju- I'll, I'll go one further. Even if just one of those two guys is fully healthy by the time the playoffs starts, it's still a scary team and a tough out. Yeah. No matter who plays them. Well, also, and and mind you, remember we talked about how Nick Batum was the dream, uh, or, or one of the dream acquisitions a couple of weeks ago when we started covering yeah. trade targets for the Suns, and that dream is definitely dead now. It's not necessarily dead. I think I it's think, I think it's probably dead. Well, here's what I will say: Ty Lu said recently that. He said, we're not going to get Kawhi this season. He just said it in a post-game interview. Uh, so, you know, that alone has an effect on this. So I think you're probably right that it's probably not going to happen this season. But I just say it's not completely dead yet because I still think that this move for the Clippers, as good as it is for them this year, it's still pretty good next year. Now, Robert Covington is a free agent, but they have his bird rights now, and he's not going to sign for a lot because Robert Covington is not as good as he used to be. So they could potentially sign him using their bird rights and keep him, and then they still have Norman Powell, who's on a, you know, not a great contract, but a relatively good contract. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Let's just quickly review the next trade. The Cleveland Cavaliers traded for Karis LeVert, (laughs) basically in exchange for Ricky Rubio, uh, a first-round pick and two second-round picks, which I think is kind of interesting. You got to speak to this one. Just give us all your thoughts as someone who watches the Cavs probably more than any other Suns fan on planet Earth. Well, I do think that in a lot of ways, the J.B. Bickerstaff is going to have to fix Karis LeVert. <laughs> like, I, I almost want to talk about it from a, a Cleveland Cavaliers fan perspective because I like the Cavs, and I think they play really smart, really good basketball. And I think Karis LeVert, the last few times I've watched him, doesn't quite do that. He holds the ball a little too long, focuses a little too much on looking for his own shot. Somebody like Ricky Rubio was really perfect for how the Cavs played. Ricky Rubio, by the way, is not going to play in Indiana. He's out for the season, and his contract is up at the end of the season. Technically, he could still re-sign at, on the Cavs, if anyone's wondering. Uh, but Karis LeVert, I, you know, I, I don't think this makes a huge difference the way may, maybe some people would think it would. But I do think that it's nice for them to get something out of the remaining part of Ricky Rubio's salary that they're not getting. I mean, they already are this good and they're not using Rubio's salary and they're not using Colin Sexton's salary either. And it's nice for them to get something. But but I do think here's from a son's perspective, Ricky Rubio, which which is a nothing, basically. <laughs> So it'd be like the Suns trading Sharich, although I'll get to that in a second. Exactly that type of transaction. Sharich still has a year left on his deal, and Sharich was good before he was injured. So just keep that in mind. But Ricky Rubio plus a first-round draft pick and two second-round picks for Karis LeVert, who's relatively young at this point. So when we're looking at this, and we can switch over to the names that we're going to talk about now, I think that this is a relatively comparable move to what the Suns would need to make for Eric Gordon. Now, the difference being 
that Dario Saric is a playable player next year. Somebody who could play and could be good at basketball as early as next year. Or even possibly by the end of this season. I saw him working out on Instagram recently. It seems like he's getting healthier and healthier by the day. Whereas Ricky Rubio is not even going to ever put on a Pacers uniform (laughs) unless they really find him interesting. Which supposedly they tried to sign him before the Suns did. So that's I think where we land here. It's an interesting look at what the trade market is currently. Look, you can find a team like Portland who is like in maybe close to the tax and try and fleece them the way that the Clippers did. Or if you're looking for a player that's good, maybe a little too good for the team he's on and they're trying to tank a little bit, then you're looking at something more like what the Cavaliers and the Pacers did at this point. So let's get to some names and some rumors because there have been a few rumors about the Phoenix Suns. We'll start with Eric Gordon. We talked about this on a recent podcast episode, but the only thing that's come out is that Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report basically said that he thinks that some of his friends within the league thinks the Suns might actually be interested in Eric Gordon. I'll say it right now. We have friends that cover the league that reached out to us and told us that supposedly the Suns and the Rockets are right now speaking about a trade. So the Suns supposedly, I trust this person, are actually speaking to the Houston Rockets about Eric Gordon right now. So this is something that could happen in the near future. My read on the situation is this. The ball is entirely in Houston's court. I don't think they want Eric Gordon beyond this trade deadline, but I don't think they want to give him up for nothing. They probably want to get the most out of him. And I think that's where this Ricky Rubio trade is interesting because it's Ricky Rubio, a first round draft pick and two second round picks. Those two second round picks are the type of thing where a team goes, fine, take the two second round picks <laughs> <laughs> and then just give us the player already. Take the two second round picks. We'll move on from this. Well, yeah. that that might be the type of thing the Suns have to do in order to get somebody like Eric Gordon, who's not as young as Karis LeVert, but arguably has been better this season. And second round like, picks at this stage with where the Suns are, are not the hill you want to die on. I'll just say that right now. I do want to work in another rumor that I saw regarding Gordon this weekend. It's from Matt Moore been on the podcast before a long time ago granted but he said uh based on league intel the rockets have told teams they have two different offers currently of a first round pick for eric gordon they're looking for a team and i think this is the critical part they're looking for a team that won't send back significant salary uh, beyond this year houston is also looking for a pick in the teens instead of a late first round pick for gordon so <laughs> here's here's my read on that situation is one of those two offers is currently from phoenix and yeah. Phoenix wants to send them two things. A late first-round pick in... I mean, it could be in 2024. It could be beyond. As but, early as possible. Most yeah. likely in 2024, based on the way that the pick is going to convey to the rock or to the uh, Thunder this year. Yeah. A protected first-round pick in some sense that maybe the Rockets could hope to be a little bit better looking by the time you know we get a couple years more into... Chris Paul's old age, but really, who knows? Like, it's not the best first-round pick on the table that the Rockets could possibly get. Let's put it that way. It's not like a the 16th or 17th overall pick in this year's draft, which I'm sure they would love if they could get something like that. So that's the first thing. The second thing about not talking about significant salary, the the Suns have offered Landry Shamit and stuff to the Rockets right now, and they're trying to build leverage to see if they can get a true expiring contract because they do not want the possibility of taking on all of that poison pill money with Shamit. Um, not to mention just the, you know, having him under contract for the next two years, I don't think would be something that terribly excites them with the way he's played. So can they yeah. build the leverage yeah. in time for Thursday? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Gordon is one of the hottest commodities on the market right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, you know, 33 it's, year old Eric Gordon. Yeah. Now like, I just want to clarify real quick. We don't have details on what they've spoken about. Only, We've only been told that they that they're they've engaged each other in a trade. I think, but there's nothing surprising about that. At this I, point. Let me just be clear, really quick, so that people don't run away with this. I we don't have, or at least I, I don't know about you, <laughs> I don't have sourced information. Yeah, saying that they've put anything specifically on the table. This is just me speculating based on what I think is is common sense uh, with what we know about the situation at this point. So don't run but, off. But with I do this think stuff. there's another rumor here. This is also Matt Moore. That I want to say, Matt Moore attempting to uh, apparently be a newsman now, <laughs> trying to break news. But uh, he said, and I think this is related, and, and here's why I don't want to move on 
from Eric Gordon just yet, but he said the Suns have taken calls from the Denver Nuggets, Detroit Pistons, Washington Wizards, San Antonio Spurs, Toronto Raptors, all calling specifically about Jalen Smith and what the Suns uh, would would probably trade. I'm guessing like in a one-on-one swap for Jalen Smith or even for potential second round picks. And I think this is relevant for two specific reasons as it pertains to the Eric Gordon trade. I think the Suns could probably make a trade with any of these teams and get either a future second round pick or maybe even some, probably just a second round pick, or they could probably get one player from any one of these teams, somebody at the end of their bench. But they probably want to find a deal that could potentially package Dario Sharitz and Jalen Smith together along with the first round pick, which is something they could potentially do for Eric Gordon. So I don't think they're going to try to move on, which we should still talk about those teams in just a second, because I think there's some interesting players in those teams that the Suns can look at. But I think they're going to wait, because what if they can flip Jalen Smith for some picks and include those picks in a trade for Eric Gordon, for example? Maybe those are the second round picks, a la the Rubio trade here for Eric Gordon. So that's something that I think we can keep an eye on, because maybe they don't want Jalen Smith, but he doesn't have salary next year, right? So if they're dealing with the Rockets, they probably don't want to put Jalen Smith up to be traded to any of these other teams until they know exactly what the Rockets want. But I guess, Sam, since this is our trade preview, trade deadline preview podcast, can you just quickly talk about, I know we've done this before, why Eric Gordon works on the Suns? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Why Eric Gordon works on the Suns? Well, actually, you know what? It's funny because I haven't looked at his stats you should have told me to prepare for this, man. I, I haven't looked at his numbers in a little while. <laughs> I mean, while. we've talked about it every week. We've talked <laughs> really? about it basically We're every week. We're always prepared for this. Yeah. Okay, so why why it's funny, I think he actually has been in a little bit more, just a tiny bit more of a shooting slump recently. I know he yeah. didn't play the most recent game. But Eric Gordon, this is why I wanted to check. Eric Gordon is still shooting 43% from deep on the season. He's a capable pull-up threat as well as being able to just shoot the cover off the ball when it comes to catch-and-shoot situations. But in addition to that, Eric Gordon is one of the rare 10% of the league who is an elite shooter, or at least at times when he's in a hot streak like this, uh, appears to be an elite shooter, while also having the ability to put legitimate pressure on the rim. Most guys that you get specifically for the purpose of shooting, Landry Shamit comes to mind, but there are a million other names, are these 40% guys who are going to hang around as the 8th or ninth man, maybe deeper, in your rotation, and their job is just to sit in the corners, lift, and shoot. Gordon is a legitimate slasher, and and when I mean legitimate, I mean legitimate. He is a very crafty layup finisher. He's been one of the most efficient players on all drives this season to the rim, almost as efficient as Giannis Antetokounmpo himself. He's got a great floater, but also he is good about initiating contact. He gets to the line at a pretty solid rate. Uh, he's like not a pass-first guy. He never has been, but when he does, he's shown the ability to make solid reads. He has a good assist-to-turnover ratio. He's never been a bad playmaker in my opinion um, basically all of a, a combination of offensive factors that just make this guy someone you can put into the games uh, in the playoffs and know that he can play 25 30 minutes and he can get buckets and he can get buckets by himself if he's leading a bench unit or next to campaign or he can get buckets spotting up in the corner or the wing next to Chris Paul and Devin Booker it really doesn't matter he kind of has a yes. complete yeah. he kind of has as complete exactly. of an he has as complete of an offensive package as you could possibly ask for out of a bench guy that's what Eric Gordon is yeah. so yeah. you know other people have said by the way that his defense has been underrated this year I'll be honest, I haven't watched enough, I haven't focused enough on Eric Gordon's defense recently to tell you exactly how I feel about that, but I, I yeah, believe that And he he's on least, a terrible team. It's I hard be- to... Yeah. I believe at least historically that he has been solid enough when it's counted to believe that analysis that I've received from other people. So, you know, he's, yeah. he's a lot of offensive value being added and belief that he could be solid enough defensively where... In in some, you're getting a good player. <laughs> That's yeah. really all it is. And uh, there's two things I want to mention, first of all. And one, it's that Eric Gordon, most people probably know him, especially if you're younger, probably know him uh, for what he's done with the Rockets. Previous to the Rockets, he was an on-ball guard. He wasn't this catch-and-shoot guy. He wasn't this third option. He was the main guy. He was the guy handling the ball and attacking the rim and doing everything that somebody like Devin Booker would do not clearly not as good as Devin Booker, but that's what he was. And now he's sort of morphed into this 
sort of movement shooter who attacks closeouts and and is capable of guarding in the playoffs in the past at least one through three basically you don't want him necessarily on a star point guard or anything like that but he can guard guys it's not somebody who's terrible at it and then the second thing is some people have expressed some sort of trepidation as to whether or not he can play in a point five offense I just don't see that at all I think he I think he's kind of perfect for it I, I don't really understand what people are afraid of the guys like Karis LeVert are the guys who we talked about before who I would have been worried about playing in point five offense. I think Eric Gordon, the purpose of point five is in point five seconds, you're going to catch it. You're going to either shoot it, pass it or drive. And I think those are the things that he's looking to do now, as far as how good his passing is, maybe it's not that great, but maybe we need a, another guy who's willing to shoot on a closeout. That's a little bit closer than other guys are willing to shoot on. <laughs> and it's kind of okay that he's going to shoot on those. Uh, so I, I don't have any sort of trepidation about him um, specifically when it comes to that. Uh, any other thoughts on Eric Gordon? I think we have talked Eric Gordon. I mean, I think every Suns fan out there <laughs> is like totally on board. If you're not on board the Eric Gordon train at this point, I guess let me know if you still exist, if you're out there. I definitely know some people have hit us up like on YouTube and various channels being like, uh, the Suns don't need to do anything. They're in the first right. seed. Like I don't. I, I understand don't, that. I, I understand it. I don't get. I don't get that mindset, man. Just because you're first yeah. doesn't mean you can't make tweaks. We're talking about tweaks here. Although there are one or two big ideas that we should touch on in a moment. <laughs> well, let's quickly. Let's just quickly revisit this Matt Moore report. Yes, let's talk as, about as it pertains to Jalen Smith. So because, yeah, let's talk about Jalen Smith. Well, I, I look through all these rosters, and I'm going to repeat the teams that are supposedly, according to him. I guess we could say guess or grift when it comes to uh, <laughs> when it comes to Matt Moore here. That. Oh, uh, and it could honestly, uh, it seems like he's legitimately trying to report something that he's heard, and I think it's specific enough that it does not feel like a grift to me. Uh, in that he even said that the Pistons offered Rodney Magruder to the Suns, who uh, they tried to trade for Denver's Bull Bull. The trade was actually declined after. The, they had some doctors actually take a look at Bull Bull, and that's what caused him to decline the trade at that point. So I believe it. I think Jalen Smith is similar to Bull Bull and what they could do. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're interested in him based on that. So Denver Nuggets. Let's just say real quick, by the way, let's make it abundantly mm-hmm. clear. Jalen Smith, I do, I do, I do like, but it's yeah. too insignificant of a name to grift on. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> that's, that's a great point. So that's a great this, point. I think I see this as a legitimate report. Right. Okay. Denver Nuggets, Detroit Pistons, Washington Wizards, San Antonio Spurs, Toronto Raptors. Those are all the teams that are supposedly interested in Jalen Smith. You can also throw in the Boston Celtics who were rumored to have offered Dennis Schroeder, which the Suns turned down, which tells me one thing. Chris Paul probably said no, (laughs) and that's probably why they didn't do that. Because I could see how Dennis Schroeder, you could talk yourself into him. It just seems like everywhere he goes, it doesn't quite work out unless Chris Paul is there. Um, I looked through all of these rosters. Did you have a chance to just sort of look at them by any chance? I'll be honest, I did not. So I'd be more curious to hear okay. some of your targets. Well, first thing I'll say, they're probably not getting any of these guys unless they include something else. Now, the first one is the Nuggets. There's two guys, Jeff Green and Jamichael Green. I don't think that they have enough to get either one of those guys. Jeff Green, though does have a player option at the end of this year. If the Nuggets understand their place in the standings at this point, or maybe Jeff Green utilizes the leverage that comes with his player option, maybe it's possible the Suns could make a trade for Jeff Green, who is kind of everything that we've asked for in a backup small ball five. In fact, he's probably one of the best (laughs) in the the league at being a backup small ball five on the bench. Uh, So Jeff Green, first guy, Jamichael Green, not perfect, but a backup forward that could potentially play in a pinch. Uh, he shoots the three. I don't know. Not super exciting. But we're talking about a potential one-for-one trade with Jalen Smith at this point. Uh, so that's what it is. What do you think about either of those guys? I It's interesting because I haven't really checked in on how Denver people are feeling about this deadline. But my understanding, at least, would be that they wouldn't be super psyched about trading with phoenix uh at this point i think they still see themselves <laughs> i mean uh, just to be honest like i still think they see themselves as one and and here comes the meme guy but mm-hmm. one jamal murray return away 
from being right in the thick of, you know, a, a Western Conference Finals appearance or something like that. Yeah. I, ma- I imagine that's how they view it. Uh, so I, I hesitate to believe that either of those guys would really be firmly on the table for someone like Jalen Smith. Uh, yeah, thought. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. Um, but that's the guy, like Jeff Green. I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, Jeff Green would be great. As I mean, rosturbation here, yeah. For sure, for sure. Okay, so Pistons, next team. Boy, was it depressing looking through their roster. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find a single guy. Like, if the Suns just have to get rid of him to the Pistons, you try and get second-round picks at that point. Otherwise, you're looking at, like, Hamadou Diallo. Like that's that's really I can I couldn't yeah. find anyone else because they have a, they have some young guys that are good but they're clearly going to hold on to those guys yeah they wanna, the, if you want uh, Jalen Smith to those guys if you want to make a deal with Detroit you're talking about a young team that wants to acquire more young talent which means they're not trying to trade at least typically they're not trying to trade their 23 year old for your 23 year old you're looking for veterans the problem is they literally don't have anyone Diallo decent player um not a shooter not not interested yeah. uh, just doesn't yeah. really fit in this rotation at this he time pl- and place. He did play with uh, Chris Paul in OKC. So there is some sort of chemistry there. That's why he stood out to me. Uh, the Wizards, KCP. What about... I think real that quick. was the name for the Wizards, KCP, that I think would be perfect. I'm looking... I'm sorry. Real quick, I did notice Corey Joseph is on yeah, the Pistons. Too. too small. Yeah. He, he makes Jalen Smith's salary, but probably too small to play shooting guard, like, reliably, right? Too small to play shooting guard. I mean, you're basically getting someone to replace Alfred Payton at that point, and then maybe you could cut Alfred Payton or try to trade him to somewhere else. Um, I think that might be the type of move where if Alfred Payton, like, literally, all it would take is, is if Alfred Payton is well-liked in the locker room, you just wouldn't make that move because you don't want to mess with stuff like that at that point because it's not enough of an upgrade for me to really like it, I guess. I don't know. Right now, without Cameron Payne, of course, he, he would be He shoots 43% from deep this season. Yeah, and he's better than Alfred Payton. He's definitely and he's actually a relatively good defender, Yeah, to be honest. But I don't know. Uh, I wasn't overly excited by that because sure. I guess I'm just trying to find guys that can play in the playoffs more than anything else. So that's a move that doesn't do that, but it's still possible because you can't keep Jalen Smith. <laughs> you got to trade him at some point. Uh, Wizards, Contavious Caldwell Pope. That's a name that I don't know that they'd be willing to trade him. And I think the Suns might have to give up something else for him, even just salary alone. But we're talking about somebody who could potentially replace, like if they're willing to take Landry Shamit on, if you're talking about somebody willing to replace Landry Shamit, KCP is a better defender and has been a better shooter so far this season. And he won a championship. So he has that playoff experience as well. It's kind of a great fit. What do you think about KCP? Yeah, he's uh he's all right. Um, Jalen Smith is not enough. I'll say I, that. I feel like I watched a little bit too much uh, Lakers. K- I, like I got more than enough of the KCP experience <laughs> watching him on the Lakers, particularly last series uh, or, or sorry, last year in the first round, where he absolutely could not buy a bucket. Man, it was it was painful. And I know you shouldn't judge a guy based on one playoff series, but I think KCP shot twenty percent from deep, maybe twenty percent. I mean, overall. he was starting. In that, a whole different role for this team. I know. I know. And he's had a better season on the whole. Uh, I don't know. He's like, I could get behind it, but he's not my favorite option. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just not confident that he's a clear upgrade over Shamit. Because at the end of the day, I don't think, and I've said this a million times, by the way, I don't think Shamit has been bad this season. I think he has just been very average, and I expected more I than think average. he's been bad him. offensively. Yeah, he's I been mean, fine on defense. He's been bad offensively if your expectations are being set to championship, which it's fair that those My are our expe- expectations. If this was if a, you just set if this your was expectations a, at Landry Shamit previous to this season, then he's been bad. Landry Shamit is kind of that guy who is just built for first round basketball. Like he raises the <laughs> I mean, I I feel bad now cuz like we he's not a finished project, product. So, so trade him to the Mavericks then. I don't know exactly what he'll be, but yes, kind of kind of everywhere he's been thus far in his career, it feels like he is a floor raiser not a ceiling yeah. raiser that's yeah. all okay so spurs there's an obvious name for the spurs i know you know who it is uh thad is young. he is he oh you fucked you fucked with <laughs> delivery man yes <laughs> sorry, thad sorry. Young. thad young i mean there it is uh, i think the suns have enough centers like if, if you absolutely want to trade for thad young because there have been teams that believed he was a good Giannis defender then okay like if that's the only thing you're going to do it for then okay i don't really think he fits on this team the way it's currently constructed but there it is 
But the guy I know, I know that James Jones would want is Doug McDermott yes. <laughs> from the Spurs. Yes. And I just don't think he's going to be available. You'd have to do something like Jalen Smith, Dario Saric, and a pick probably, which is kind of a lot to give up for Doug McDermott. But Doug McDermott's kind of perfect for uh, the Suns. Not a great defender, but like a very good offensive player. Basically, a lot of the stuff that Cameron Johnson is capable of doing, Doug McDermott is also capable of doing. Can't really be a small ball five, but when it comes to more shooting off the bench... That's a lot more shooting. So that's just a guy I wanted to throw in there too. But what do you think about those guys? Doug McDermott could, the thought of him being a small ball five is hilarious, by the way, because <laughs> that would stretch the floor. That would go really, really, really poorly. Yeah, it'd stretch the floor for the for the other team too on defense. But um, <laughs> offensively, I mean, it, yeah, he would be a perfect fit. He's He is a James Jones type player because he mm-hmm. is just James Jones, the 2022 version. So, yes, <laughs> yeah, if, if James Jones point. had the opportunity. Without those super long arms. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, um, Raptors, uh, this is not an overly exciting one either. I think there's, like, Chris Boucher is an option from the Raptors that just doesn't really fit the Suns anymore, and it's probably not good enough to play in the playoffs at this point. Uh, Yuta Watanabe is, is a forward. Uh, Utah's pretty good like he's not great but that's just like if you're just at some point if everything else ran out and you don't have anyone for Jalen Smith then maybe you get Utah I kind of like point. that <laughs> I'm not gonna lie yeah. I kind of like that yeah. that kind of that kind of feels like a moldable or a malleable young wing that could do well in the Sun yeah. system or how about Svi Mikhailuk I, yeah. I, I don't know He's a shooter. He's relatively good. He plays forward this year. He's in, he, in the past, I thought of him more as a guard, but he's been more of a forward this year. It's just another name <clears throat> that's not overly exciting. But if everything else runs out, you need to get rid of Jalen Smith. Svi kind of works. You can trade that. I think that they would work salary-wise too relatively easily. So they're just some names. I went through every roster. Not sexy names. Those are all of them. Yeah. But workable. That you know, some of those felt workable to me, so I, yeah. I applaud you. Good job. Now, most exciting is Jeff Green, probably, uh, but I don't think he's going to be available. It's time to bring up another name. Okay, it's my turn now. Go ahead. We got to move on from Jalen Smith, man. We spent a, <laughs> okay. I spent a meaty chunk of this pod talking about Jalen Smith, and you know who I have to bring up now. Okay, who? Demontis Sabonis. <laughs> okay, okay. We have to do it. We have yeah, to do it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have to do it. For whatever reason, look, guys, I was kind of busy this week, and I was in D.C. I wasn't really paying attention to Twitter for the most part, but this guy dominated the discourse for a full day, and I logged on a couple of times, and I saw people in a total frenzy. Right. I I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> I mean, with- well, I guess you could, say, you could just say, just for people to know, it was Flex. Yes. Who tweeted it out, Flex from Jersey. Uh, who has been right on stuff before. I mean, he he talked about Chris Paul before anybody else did, so so give him credit for that. Uh, if we're going to say guess or grift on this one, I don't think it was either. I think he's legitimately trying to report something he's heard, so I'm going to give him credit there uh, that maybe the Suns talked to the Pacers about Sabonis. I'm not going to accuse him of either of those things. If you'd like to, feel free. But as far as Sabonis goes, if you're trading for Sabonis, I'm just going to say it right now, you're going to move on from Aiden. <laughs> yeah. Sabonis is a starting center in the NBA. You talk about him playing the Dario Saric role. Cool. Maybe he will play the Dario Saric role this season. And maybe you can get him without trading Aiden this season. But if you're DeAndre Aiden and you have Sabonis playing behind you, you know what the Suns are doing there. That's, that's basically a security blanket for the Suns for when DeAndre Aiden signs somewhere else. Pretty so much, I mean yeah. I like Sabonis and I've made fun of Sabonis in the past and I mostly just hate the idea of him as a power forward cuz he's not he's a center and I think he's a great player and if you really if you really just want to picture what Sabonis would look like on the Suns there was the like a 10 game stretch where Frank Kaminsky was starting for the Suns where he was playing out of his mind Oh my goodness it's that on on crack yeah It's that on crack <laughs> you <laughs> can't trap the Suns at that point the offense would be completely insane like it would be really 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 good because Sabonis can do so much with the ball in the middle of the floor and and teams like to trap against Chris Paul or Devin Booker the offense would be insane but I just don't see any chance of this happening this season yeah this if we want to talk about Sabonis in the future we can but I'm not worried about it right now yeah I would I would agree so this is the type of move where I felt that because it had dominated discourse so much we had to address the merits of just the talent level of a player like Sabonis and what adding a player like that would mean However, I don't at all believe that it's it's 
feasible this season. I don't at all believe that it's going to happen. This is exactly the type of move that I talked about not making. You're not looking to rock the boat when you're 42 and 10 first seed in the Western Conference. You're just not. Um, If the season ends and DeAndre desperately wants to leave, you try to get somebody like Sabonis at that point, I think. Right. Um, Just for the record... He's averaging 19, 12, and 5 assists on 65% true shooting. I mean, I think the talent kind of speaks for itself. This was kind of interesting. I looked at the exact stats, and I know he's not a power forward. I know he's not because I've watched him too. I do (laughs) think it was kind of interesting, though. Did you know the Pacers have a positive net rating when Sabonis and Miles Turner share the floor this year? But even, even in those lineups... So bonus is playing the center on offense, right? Right, and Miles Turner is playing, you know, the power forward, right? Which is why he's I, a stretch, no, 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 stretch guy. You're, you're, you're not telling me anything new. I know it's not. There's reason for them to move on from these guys, right? It's not <laughs> right. a sustainable pairing in the future. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Miles and Sabonis together is a plus three net uh, net rating. Miles by himself is a minus three. Sabonis by himself is a minus three. Maybe that speaks to the Pacers' depth. But I also think it kind of just speaks to you've got two pieces of this jigsaw puzzle that just don't quite fit. They're kind of appealing. Uh, you like, And maybe they could both be better somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, so if we're talking about, look, here's, here's the only question when it comes to Sabonis. He's clearly an yeah. all-star level offensive talent. Can you build a championship winning defense around him as your starting right. center? That's the that's where it begins and ends the conversation. If you trade for Sabonis, you have so much faith in Mark Bryant, the big man coach of the Phoenix Suns, and what he's done, and he's earned it. He's turned DeAndre, Ayton, who came into the league as a non-defensive prospect, into one of the best defenders in the NBA. I think it would be fascinating to see Sabonis with a bunch of really great perimeter defenders, which the Suns now have, and see what he can do with a defense like that. But I just really think there's no point in, t- in talking about this. Unless it happens, so I'm kind of prepared to hey, move on from Zabotis. I Don't shoot the messenger. All I'm saying is I had multiple people reach out to me saying, hey, what do you think of Sabonis? Can you guys talk about Sabonis? Here's what we think about Sabonis, okay? We've, we've, we've covered it. <laughs> last, last one. Kenrich Williams, who we know our friend David loves, and we love as well. I personally love his hair. He's got great hair, and he's a great player. Kenrich Williams, though, the more I think about Kenrich Williams, I I do genuinely wonder if the Thunder are even interested in trading him. I, I He is a, a free agent after next season, and he's an unrestricted free agent from my knowledge of that situation. And to me, maybe they do want to trade him and just get rid of him because he's like the oldest player on that team, basically. But also, I think there's a small chance that when you're trying to build a winner, which they might be doing by the end of next season, you want to re-sign a guy like Kenrich Williams because he kind of fits. Yes, he'll be 28 when he's a free agent, so still older. But at that point, he'd be the type of veteran that you want. So I would love Kenrich Williams, even if it takes a first-round pick because he's signed next year. I think it's worth it. It's the kind of it's the kind of specific security that you need that if there is an injury, Kenrich Williams can kind of slot into the place of... Mikael Bridges or Cameron Johnson for extended periods of time that would help the Suns out a lot and can play significant minutes in a playoff rotation. Do you have any other thoughts on Kenrich Williams that we haven't already covered a bunch of times already? I continue to really want Kenrich Williams. Bring me Kenrich Williams. That's the extent of my analysis at this time. Okay. Friends. Any other names that we haven't covered? No. Friends. Okay. We have three days. Rest easy. Be well. Can I ask you before we go? Protect your mind, body, spirit. Yes. Ask me. Ask away. Who's the number one guy of all these names that we've talked about that you would want? I mean, I think it's Eric Gordon, man. I think the wing depth would be nice. Kenrich is great, but like, in my opinion, you could plug in a different wing who's not Kenrich Williams that you get for a second round pick like Torrey Craig again and maybe hope that it works. Eric Gordon's offensive skill set is much harder to find. I think it's orders of magnitude harder to find. He's my guy. Yeah. And there's other names that we could have talked about. I don't think Josh Hart is available for what the Suns are trying to trade. So if you like Josh Hart, sorry, we didn't really talk about him. I would put Eric Gordon at the top, but mostly because I don't think Jeff Green is available because I would really like Jeff Green on this roster a lot. I think it would fit in really, really well. But yeah, that's all we got. We'll be back after the trade deadline for Patreon uh, listeners. We probably will skip out on the Patreon episode this week and just do a regular feed episode after the trade deadline just to wrap up what happened and just put that one out instead. 
Join us on Thursday for the Bucks game on playback. We're actually recording this right before the playback <laughs> of the Bulls game that starts in five minutes. <laughs> so we're going to end this one right now. But we appreciate you guys listening back after the trade deadline. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.